yeah. if you don't mind. So I'm joined here in the dungeon, as it's now known, on Dame Street by Paddy Bradnock. Um, Paddy, you sat on the board at Film yeah. Base at one time. Yeah, I was on the board. Um, and I can't remember exactly, but it would have been the early 90s or mid, early to mid 90s. Um, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember who else was on the board. I know Ed Guiney was on. Hugh Linehan might have been on the board. He was the editor of Film Ireland, and so I think he was. On, I think he was on the board at the time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeanette was running Film Base at the time, and who else was there? I'll have to remember. Sorry if I'm forgetting. That's anybody. all right. So this is a little bit, tiny bit, like coming home for you. This building, the, this the world, this little well, hideaway, was this sort of this sort of little block. In a way, it was very um, kind of important because we uh, we had our offices in Treasure Films in uh, Shamrock Chambers, and that's also where um, Element or Temple, as it was called then, had their offices. And then uh, Newgrange, Leslie McKim had her offices there too. Um, it wasn't Newgrange at that stage, but so there was a kind of real hub of um, sort of. I suppose young or embryonic companies at that stage mm-hmm. were there, uh, so there was a bit of an energy about the place. And then, obviously, it's film base itself, and that was that had something going on. Yeah, yeah. and it was that time when, you know, the film board had just been re-established, mm-hmm. and there was um, there was a kind of a, there had been an energy anyway, but then it was sort of, I suppose, a broader sense of stuff beginning to happen in the economy and in the country. And a sort of enthusiasm and a hunger for things mm. was very prevalent at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, you've been around a long time, but um, we are here today to talk, of course, about Viva, um, a beautiful and rich film. So, congratulations for the six millionth time, I'm sure. Are you sick of talking about Viva at this stage? It's gotten so much coverage in the uh, last year. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm very. It's a film that I'm very happy always to show and present. It was it was like a w- wonderful experience making it, and it's been a really nice experience showing it. I mean, you always when you talk about something, there's always a sort of creep, a little bit of, uh, you know, you wonder incrementally. Do you does your story change, or do you develop or embellish your stories? You go on because, uh, you know, it, what your intentions are before you start. Um, meet the reality of when you're making it mm-hmm. and then the reality of how it's perceived affects your memory of 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 what was there at the that start happened, yeah, so yeah. there's a whole range or there's a journey in itself about talking about the film and and, and where it came from and where you are now with it you know mm-hmm. so there's an aspect of it um that uh i think this touch as you go on with it you become I don't know if self-conscious is the right word, but you, you, uh, you, maybe in some ways you're reflective of it. Like you start asking yourself, is that, yeah, was I really thinking that at the beginning or when did that idea come in? And you begin to sort of re-parse out your story in relation to it. You know? mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you firstly, anyway, about the music. Yeah. Because that forms such a, a huge part of the film in the way that his, his, his mother's records are, you know, are, it's a process of healing between him and his father and the songs that he sings, the songs that they all sing. Um, after your initial experience in Havana at a backyard drag club, were those 
selections yours? Was this was the song was that something you wanted to impart, or or was that um, composer your composer Stephen uh, Renix? No, the songs would have been. Let's say, I mean, there was a there was a number of songs and performers that I would have noted through the research, you know through research and everything that I was building up a, a little library. Let's say mm-hmm. of stuff, and then. In the script process as well, Mark would have brought in some singers that were slightly different from the ones that I was uh, I had uh, brought to it. Um, so, and then you sort of try and shape what songs you want to use in the film, and then it meets another reality, which is you know, can you afford those songs? Mm-hmm. Can you can you buy them? Are they available? Even sometimes, if you can buy them um, and buy the rights to use them in your film, will the person who who's um, selling them let you use them, even if you can afford it. So, for example, there was a couple of songs I wanted to use, and uh, the right holders had agreed a deal. But then, when they heard the context in which they were being used, they withdrew their permission. Wow, really? Um, whether that was, you know, there was a sort of sense it could have been, it could have been a homophobic thing, or it could have been um, that they thought because we were going to. Sh- in the context of drag club that we were going to make fun of the songs in some way or belittle the songs which was obviously not yeah, the reverse yeah but they're the kicking case. themselves now yeah mm-hmm. um so it's hard to know but what i'm saying is the the journey of actually whittling down uh in a practical sense trying to get enough songs that you can use that have the spirit of what you want and at the same time can work within a, the context of a low budget film so there was a, a huge journey on that but I think the essence of what we wanted was always preserved within that. And sometimes those those sort of limitations actually create opportunities, you know, where you get a song that you hadn't considered mm-hmm. and actually it turns out to be the best song you the could have had for one. the moment. Yeah, yeah. So you had worked with um, Stephen Rennicks before and um, producers Rebecca O'Flanagan and Robert Walpole. Do you feel like that kind of continued collaboration um contributed to the success of the film knowing the way each other worked and yeah I think shorthand when you you have an ability to to cut to the chase with people you know Mm -hmm. and then with you um in terms of uh or you know just knowing what people's priorities are and where where they stand with something and that you can communicate that quickly and have a kind of joint force that's established on very good foundations, I think it always works, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know working with a composer with Stephen, it's sort of a very peculiar uh, language in a way. You know, I don't have a, any technical musical language and uh, you have to find ways and maybe invent language and words sometimes of, of what you mean, you know, how you, you know, a sort of emotion or a, um, a tone that you feel is in or absent in a, pe- a piece of music and you've got to be able to communicate that to somebody who's obviously very <clears throat> has a very sophisticated language um, and I had worked with Stephen before and I so that type of experience with somebody lets you uh, get to the point much more quickly yeah mm-hmm. so it's, it's very valuable and it's also part of the the journey of you begin to you begin to say, well, you're living a life by making films, so you want to make films with people who you enjoy the journey with. Yeah. You know, um, if it's if you're in a new situation, 
I mean, it can bring great challenges and excitement and freshness and some, and you have to replenish how you do things, you know, I suppose so that you get those challenges, but at the same time, there's just such, you know, it's important to enjoy the process mm-hmm. and uh, working with people, you know, helps to do that. Yeah. And just talking about communications there on a more practical level that were there in terms of communicating with the cast, how was your... How is your Spanish? Were the, how were the limitations there? Yeah, my Spanish would have been sort of fairly, you know, let's say, um, it, it would. I, I wasn't very particularly fluent in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a basis and a grounding, and I kind of knew the world of the film in Spanish, let's say. But um, I think I learned in that process that, you know, a lot of your judgments and a lot of your your sort of how you assess a performance is quite, you know, instinctive and intuitive. You know, you know a lot of what they're doing, you sort of know immediately, you know, the tone of it, let's say, and all those things. If you're working with good actors, it makes, or non-actors, it makes life easy in the sense that good actors are intuitive animals so they can respond to you and they understand what you're getting at even if it's in broken spanish or whatever they can they know what you're you're trying to point to if you're working with non-actors you're trying to capture something in them so actually you don't want to direct them that much in a funny kind of way um you you need to be very careful it's almost saying less is is more in that instance um if you're working with mediocre actors that's where it's difficult because you need much more uh, language and facility with language to be able to let's say deconstruct and reconstruct a performance that a mediocre actor is giving you um, so it, it, I was worried going into it but as it transpired it wasn't something that was hugely difficult you know yeah, there, are, there are many ways to communicate as you say. there are many ways to communicate and I think in, in something like that where you're working with somebody who's very bright and intelligent and you're you're talking about something that both of you have shared. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I obviously knew the script in English, but I also knew it very well in Spanish because I'd been involved in the translation process. So that which means in some ways that you ingest the script in a particular kind of way down in, in much greater detail, maybe than if you were just working off it in English. Mm-hmm. because You have to make sure that full stop or that comma there represents something it means something in the script so when it's not there in spanish has it been translated properly or whatever you know you're sort of you have to interrogate that process yeah. so in a funny way uh my knowledge of the script was fairly in depth and uh i mean in in a in a language sense in spanish and then you've got actors who understand the script and what it represents in great detail so the space between you is already kind of well defined so then it's just you know communicating kind of intensity i suppose and conviction and Mm -hmm. other qualities are more important than maybe even the literal things you're trying to say you know it's not the literal translation because when i got like i had interpreters and Mm -hmm. you can use them but often when you use an interpreter it misses what the most important thing is and that's i suppose a sense of conviction right yeah um as I said, you've been making films for a long time now and a lot of people will be of the opinion that this is your finest work. Is is that the way you feel about it? Um, in some ways, yeah. I mean, what like I, when, when the film started being talked about or whatever, it was, you know, kind of a lot of the 
reviews were sort of saying it was a surprising departure in some way for me. I'm not, I'm not quoting anything in particular, but in many ways for me, it was like a return to the early films I made, Ailsa and uh, I Went Down. And uh, rather than being in a, part, a departure, it was for me, it was like reconnecting with, with where I had been a little bit, you know. Um, I think probably in, you know, obviously as you, as you move on, you you kind of, you know, you learn and you develop and you become more skillful and more, you know, adept at doing things. Um, and sometimes with that process, sometimes you kind of lose something as well, you know. Uh, you can lose a sort of uh, excitement maybe or something like that in your filmmaking. And I think uh, with this, because it was the nature of the project in Cuba, that brought a kind of rejuvenated a certain excitement or a freshness. It was like making your first film in some ways. But then the experience let me, I think it's bring a certain kind of lightness to, of touch or whatever to the film that I think, you know, whether it's the best film you make, I don't know, but it, maybe it's most accomplished in some ways, you know. Mm -hmm. And the last couple of years have been significant for Irish film and with the Viva being selected for best foreign film for the Oscars, what, what did it feel like to be um, part of such a historic moment for Irish film and part of that band of films and filmmakers? Yeah, it was kind of interesting for me at the time. I mean, we just, we sort of fell that bit short because, you know, we were on the short list for it, but we didn't get the actual nomination. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, we heard later on that we were very close to getting the nomination, like very, very close. And um, it would have been, I mean, one of the things that was in the back of my mind was because particularly with, say, Lenny and Ed, um, who they made their first short film around the same time as I made mine and Rob Walpole produced mine as well. And um, we both screened for the first time at the Cork Film Festival in 1991 so the idea that, you know, 25 years, is it 25 years later? Mm -hmm. 25 years later, we might have been in the same, another room at the same time, yeah, yeah. Uh, celebrating our achievements was would have been very exciting. And it was, you know, that was actually one of the, the disappointments that we weren't there in that sense, mm -hmm. that it would have been a real sense of how, how that, you know, real overt I suppose sense of how that how the industry has moved on and developed in in some ways. Um, so, it, yeah, so I did very definitely felt a part of that. And you can see what's interesting about it is you know go back five or six years longer. There was a there was a, a sense every couple of years you'd have a great white hope somebody would make a film and everyone say oh this is a great new thing you know and. Um, I had a moment of that and then Lenny had his moments of that and then other people, you know, had their moments. Mm -hmm. And now what happens is that in in one year or in a two-year phase, you've got four, five, six, seven moments like that um, uh, clustered or happening around the same time. And that's such a much more healthy situation because... Um, it's just, you know, the idea that, that a film industry that's motoring along with one yeah. talent or something like mm -hmm. that is, you know, it's just not tenable, you know. So it's great to feel that you're part of that maturing process. Right. Um, and maybe the filling in of the the space since 
the you know Jim and Neil's generation or whatever you know since they made those great strides that it's sort of become a bit more constant now yeah um so the film comes out tomorrow on DVD yeah and uh, you can get a copy in Tower Records Golden Disc and the Eye of Vice shop and it's on VOD from iTunes Virgin Media and Volta um the idea of DVDs is kind of it, ebbed and flowed in the last couple of years this idea of it being obsolete um maybe like a photograph or a a book but there's something special about being able to hold it in your hand and to have a copy of something yeah you know especially as a maybe a collector's item or yeah i think so to have to have something to be able to go like i know i you know my, my collection of dvds to be able to sort of say to somebody oh you should watch that film and hand it to them immediately yeah. mm-hmm. or to um you know, so if you teach a class or something like that, that you can show it very quickly. I don't know if that's against the law or not, but <laughs> uh, but that you um, that you know, it, having something tangible that you can see and flick along a shelf or something is great. But obviously, we're we're moving. You know, that world is moving on. Mm-hmm. So um, whether those things become collectors' items in a few years' time, and uh, or whether like with uh, with um, uh, uh, record players that they come back in whether we'll do that with DVD players or yeah. I don't know so <laughs> keep the rappers on basically yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything in, in the pipeline for you Paddy are you looking to strike while the iron is hot are you taking a break uh, no I don't want to take a break for sure I mean anything that, I don't think I, anything I'm working on at the moment it's, it's probably this time next year before any of it comes to pass but I'm working with Mark again Mark O'Halloran on two uh, projects um, so and they're both very exciting kind of both into it so and they kind of push on from Vive in a certain way I suppose they're not not um, you know very much character driven with with a sort of humanity about them you know mm-hmm. um, so I'm excited about them and hopefully they'll happen but until they happen you don't know you know yeah. you've uh, a, a little girl to keep you busy anyways she she features in the film I yeah believe. Josie um yeah she's a little baby in the end at the credits so she was herself and my wife uh, came over while we were filming and she became like almost a bit of a mascot on the crew because they'd come for lunch every day okay and she'd be handed around from various crew members and actors and uh for her, it was just such. I mean, Cuba is so full of life. It's a place that you just feel the life is bouncing off of the walls, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think she kind of sensed that, even though she was only eight months at the time. I think she sensed it and kind of rose to the challenge. Saw it was an adventure and rose to that adventure. And you could really see her enjoying it and and just feeling uh, this excitement about the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so we put her in the film. So yeah. it's preserved there. So she's part <laughs> yes, of Cuban film history exactly. as well. Now. She's well established then. Yeah. Um, Paddy Barnack, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Grace. Okay. Take care.